Our baby ate it. I think they actually did that on Mad Men once. <laughs> Doesn't seem very British. I have partied in this manner. Welcome to Up Yours Downstairs, the podcast whose life is chaos right now. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm Tom Schneider. We are properly married. You want marriage when it suits you, and you drop it when it doesn't. Well, it's really convenient to have it during this podcast. That's true. The whole husband-wife podcasting duo thing. Yeah, it's kind of our shtick. Yeah. And considering how often we put this thing out... It's not like I ever get a chance to not be married to you. No, that's true. We're, yeah. we're doing it fairly often. Yeah, so yeah. we might as well just get married. Fine. Wait, are recording all this? <laughs> <laughs> Shh. <laughs> Don't tell anyone we're not really married. Oh, <laughs> uh, we're kidding. We're, of course, extremely married. Yes, we're as married as can be. Yeah, we did our taxes today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Look, let's not talk about that. No, that'll only make people sad. Mm-hmm. And we're here to be happy. That's and right. And talk about Mr. Selfridge. Yes. Mainly. Before that, though, we have our cousin of the week, who is hearkening back to our days of recapping Downton Abbey. Oh. Were we ever so young? <laughs> cousin Cecilia writes, Dear Cousins Kelly and Tom, just a short telegram to tell you how much I have loved following along with Up Yours Downstairs this season as usual. I love listening to your podcast just as much as watching the show. I never got around to writing in about it, but I really appreciated how you handled the discussion of the episode in which Anna was raped. Naturally, it was a very difficult episode to watch, and you took great care in discussing it sensitively and thoroughly, so thank you for that. The major reason for this telegram is that I found possibly my favorite description of Maggie Smith ever. It was uttered by none other than Julian Ovenden, the actor who plays Charles Blake. He said, my first day I had to go in on one of those interminable dinner scenes and I was sitting next to Maggie Smith. She's won about 87 Academy Awards and eats directors for breakfast. It is quite scary. I pasted a link to the article below in case you'd like to read the whole thing. Thanks again for such a wonderful podcast. I'm looking forward to your coverage of Mr. Selfridge Series 2. Regards, Cousin Cecilia. And we will, of course, post her link to DuJour.com's interview with Julian Ovenden. Yeah. Just as soon as we remember to. That's right. So possibly never. Right. Sometime between now and the heat death of the universe. Yeah. yeah. We will uh, we'll make that happen. That's so thank right. you very much, Cousin Cecilia. Yes. Yeah. Apart from at five Maggie Smith. So that's the best description of Maggie Smith that I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. And that one is, you know, probably requires a lot less explanation. Indeed. All right. So. Oh, if you would like to be considered for Cousin of the Week, feel free to send us a carrier pigeon on Twitter. We are at 5, the number 5, Maggie Smiths. Mm -hmm. You can find us on Facebook to send a message. Just search Up Yours Downstairs. Or you can send us a telegram. Our address is upyoursdownstairs at gmail.com. That it is. And so, without further ado, Mm -hmm. we will now dive into Mr. Selfridge, Series 2, Episode 2. That's right. The, Which was aired last week, but you know right. what? We're all just we're all just doing the best we can here. That's us. right. We're at the mercy of the maniacs at Masterpiece Scheduling Central. I blame Ralph Lauren. <laughs> that is always a good plan. Lauren? He is. He does pronounce it Lauren. Well, it's one of those things. I'm like, is that just like one of those things like growing up where we couldn't afford its clothes? So like you know, you're like, oh, Target, <laughs> Ralph Lauren. It's uh, it's hard to say, mm-hmm. and I don't care. <laughs> but Tom, he'll never make us a watch. Not if we disrespect him. Uh, we all have cell phones now. We <laughs> don't need watches anymore. So, 
Mr. Selfridge, uh, we started out on the street in front of the store as union organizers are handing out flyers left and right. They're handing one to Agnes, but Fat Thomas kind of shoves them out of the way to protect his woman's honor. We see uh, Crab and Thackeray who are standing at the door looking concerned. Well, and Thackeray straight out says that unions are ruining this country, basically. Yeah. So. So they're causing trouble all over the country. Right. So we see where his sympathies lie. And uh, they also we see Igor and the whole uh, cosmetics department crew coming in. Uh, and they don't really understand any of it, what's going on or the point of it. Igor, however, points out that he his concern is what if Mr. Selfridge decides to go back to America? Because in case you've forgotten, the Archduke Franz Ferdinand has just been assassinated. <laughs> That's right. Uh, plus, his family has spent most of their time there for the last five years, which, you know, has been going on for five years. So he seems to be fine with not being with his family. That's true. Um, yeah. Also, wouldn't – I mean, the store would still be there, yes? Like, he wouldn't pack the store in his suitcase and take it with him. He's got a lot of luggage, Tom. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure he does. He'll take it with him and rebuild it brick by brick. Oh, right. Batman style. <laughs> But I'll tell you who's had enough of this talk, Mr. Crab. Oh, man. Yeah. He uh, he calls a halt to the gigantic parade of people going up the steps at Selfridges and says that they've all had enough excitement for one day, which Mr. Crab can state that at any time, any day, and yeah. feel justified in saying it. And He's that, like a tiny Bob Hoskins. <laughs> he is. Yeah. So everybody resumes their tramp up the stairs in and halts their discussions of war and labor unions right apparently thanks to the heroic efforts of mr crab who then uh speaks to mr selfridge in his office and explains that you know there was a peaceful protest in front of the store with these labor union guys but you know he might want to like do something because actually mr crab tried to stop them yeah. He just kind of like ran right. around like he was just like, I don't know what to say to you. Like, right. it's a public thoroughfare. Right. But... Like, could you maybe not? do? Oh, I see. Yeah. Anyway, so Mr. Selfridge, you know, is concerned and he's thinking that maybe they ought to do something for the staff uh, to remind them how good they've got it. Mm-hmm. And he asks where Mr. Grove is and then asks uh, Mrs. Plunkett to set a meeting. Uh, is that the heads of department meeting? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so it's the heads of department meeting. And then he sees Mr. Grove arriving late. And Mr. Selfridge is like, uh, yeah, we can talk in five minutes after you've gotten yourself settled, Lady McLaterton. <laughs> and then, like, Mr. Grove... Mr. Grove is chiding Mr. Crab right. for having talked to Mr. Selfridge about this labor union situation yeah. without him. And Mr. Crab's like, uh, yeah, ding dong. I was trying to cover for you. Why don't you get here on time sometimes? Yeah. Because this is apparently not a new development. Mm-hmm. And I guess we've just got to get used to his wild hair at this point. I guess, uh, yeah. Ginger he, gone wild. <laughs> yeah. He he seems to show no remorse yeah. for this hair. So is it intentional? That's, I mean, I... It's really unclear. It really is Nothing unclear. in this episode makes it clear as to whether he's, like, doing that on purpose. Right. Is that just, that's just stress hair or what? <laughs> but... Who can say? Uh, we see Agnes in her Agnes cave, I guess. Don Leclerc Memorial Lair. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> and Plunkett comes in and gives her a whole bunch of folders. That's a lot of work to do. And then says that she also needs to be at a meeting in 15 minutes. Never a dull moment, she says. I don't like this Plunkett. No. I'm going to renew our calls to bring back Blankensop. That is correct. I realize 
that this season is already in the can. <laughs> had we realized I would have had some sort of, you know, Blankensop related hashtag that right. only five people would have participated in. <laughs> yeah. But I would have felt as though I had tried. That's right. Agnes somehow arrives late to this meeting. Like, we cut immediately from her being told about the meeting to her arriving late. Right. Like, did it take her a full 15 minutes to get there? <laughs> like, was she in the labyrinth? Was David Bowie there? <laughs> did the stairs suddenly rearrange themselves? And he was like, I moved the stairs for no one. And she's like, I have to get to a meeting. Right. Uh, yeah, I think that's what happened. Anyway, probably Goblin King interference. <laughs> So she comes in and uh, Mr. Selfridge is like, it's not super passive aggressive, but he definitely makes it clear that he's like, by the way, I totally saw that you came in late. Right. Like, right. how could I not? Right. There's only like seven people here. Yeah. So she then promptly drops her pencil. And this is the more dick move because he's like, uh, your pencil, Miss Towler. Right. And it's like, you know, you could have just let the pencil sit there right. for a minute. But you I guess... All- could all just be British and pretend nobody had noticed. But, uh, but he's not British, despite his proposition course, uh, that both the staff and the public at large need a distraction mm-hmm. from uh, foreign policy, which is probably uh, yeah. maybe counter to the goals of the empire. Possibly. Anyway, so we asked Miss Towler for a suggestion. She has reverted to her most Aspergery self yeah. and can't put two words together. Yeah. Or Where, one word together. No. Whereas Kitty all of a sudden lights up and says they should have a tango demonstration because some famous tango guy is in town at Delphine's and everyone loves the tango. Mr. Selfridge also loves the tango. So yeah. he loves this idea. Notably, however, Mr. Crab and Mr. Thackeray do not. They oh, both yeah. roll their eyes at this suggestion. It's interesting because it's like, I feel like Mr. Thackeray is gay. Mm-hmm. But, like, he either might not know that he's gay or, like, he's doing that thing, like, where, like, gay guys think they're better than women. Not all gay guys. I'm Mm. not trying to offend. I don't think any gay people who listen to this podcast are that kind of person. Right. But, um, you know, gay guys with a, like, pronounced bias against women, Mm -hmm. which I would imagine would have been. Well, I mean, we saw Morris. Like, they were like, ew, girls. (laughs) Like, very vehemently. Right. On every level. Yeah. Um, anyway, but he's very, you know, dismissive toward the female staff in general. Yeah. Which I just yeah. found odd considering well, that he's seen, he, and he may not, I'm just, you know, he's right. poncy. He may not be gay. Right. But it's also, well, and also just that, you know, this is the, all of your customers are women, essentially. That's like, true. Maybe you, you know. don't hold them. In, oh God, I miss Miss Revilius. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Blank and villious. <laughs> yeah. Bring them back. Yeah, I mean, Mr. Crab just doesn't understand. But all oh, he yeah, has, he's, he's just, just dumb. He's just an accountant. He doesn't have to, you know, he's not involved with the customers, yeah. per se. At any rate, so they're not super into it, but, you know, nobody can tell Mr. Selfridge what to do. Right. So then Thackeray suggests that they have a party for the staff after the tango demonstration. Mm-hmm. And then Mr. Selfridge wants some sort of empire exhibition. Yeah. Well, he, and, says, he says he wants something big and British. Yeah. It's like so, some sort of giant pudding, perhaps. Oh, man, that would be delicious. <laughs> so Agnes's idea is to like put some maps in the palm court. Right. She also steps on uh, Fat Thomas's toes because she's like, oh, we could do it in the palm court. And he's like, the hell you can. And then he's like, oh. All right, fine. I still kind of like you. Yeah. But like, you know, she's she's got so much work on her plate. She's trying to just like 
minimize things right but just doesn't doesn't look good for her she's no because she's like could i just hang a map in the palm court and call it a day i'm so and mr selfridge was like no yeah you can't yeah so we then cut to a very awkward elevator ride. Yeah. <laughs> With uh, Thackeray, Kitty, and Agnes, and the elevator operator, who I imagine has to be involved in a number of awkward elevator rides in the course of her career. I would think so. Yeah. So Thackeray is all like, oh, that was a great suggestion, Miss Hawkins, and oh, I hope, Miss Towler, that you're able to live up to Mr. Selfridge's vision. And Kitty just smirks as she's yeah butter would not melt in that mouth <laughs> no and i mean she came up with a great idea she did she's out towered miss towler yes it's true at loxley house pimble lady may's maid wow say that three times fast <laughs> pimble 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 it's like a thimble with a pimple yeah that that is a, you know what that is? That's a Dickensian name. That is a Dickensian name. Uh, so she's packing up for the country and rather nervously asks Lady May if Lord Loxley will be accompanying them. Right. And Lady May is like, uh, no, Pimble, try to keep up. That is why we are going to the country. <laughs> yeah. At Delphine's, in Delphine's office to be specific, Rose ventures her way in and Delphine's like, oh, I'm so far behind, but thanks for interrupting. Uh, and, Delphine is, there's another person there, just this mysterious dude. He's really huge. Yeah. So I think he's her, like, enforcer. Because if she's a single woman in business, she's got to have somebody physically threatening around at all times. Well, I understand that. I think there's a bit more to it than that, but we'll discuss it more over the course of the Are they banging? They're probably banging. That wasn't what I was thinking, but it's an interesting thought. Oh, I just can't see why else you'd keep a guy around. I'm not one of those women who hates guys, if that's what you're thinking. Well, no, clearly. In any case, Rose, again, wants to invest in Delphine's, but Delphine says that friendship and business don't go together. Because uh, she's not stupid. Right. Rose, however, is stupid. And she's says like, that, oh, they should. Yeah. I mean, like, are you touched? <laughs> right. Yeah, a lot of things should be the case, but they aren't. Uh, and she also was there because she wanted to ask about the mysterious Frenchman she saw, uh, which is Monsieur Leclerc. And indeed, uh, uh, Delphine sort of remembers him and asks the guy. And she's like, oh, yeah, isn't he that guy that asked all those questions and left his address? Because I know, I mean, me personally, I leave my address at every nightclub I visit. That explains a lot. <laughs> Yeah, so they they know this person and how to get in contact with them, which I found odd. And that actually gets into, I think that this guy is in charge of the illegal side of their operation, which I don't know what that is. I mean, he could also be banging her. Well, yeah, that's true. The two aren't mutually exclusive, but I think like, you know, some sort of loan sharking thing, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. Uh... I also think maybe Monsieur Leclerc was trying to get some sort of like... You know, display, you know, because I mean, it is a very display oriented place, but I mean. It's true. And it does seem kind of outdated. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. it's very Mrs. Henderson presents. (laughs) It is. But we'll see. Perhaps time will tell. Uh, So anyway, she she gives Rose the address, warns her that it's in a rough area, but Rose has a tougher streak than you might think. Yeah, fine. Nobody cares. Yeah. She took the subway once. We get it. Right. Uh, and Delphine has a favor to ask in return, which is that uh, Rose get Mr. Selfridge to move the staff party to Delphine. How did she find 
Oh, wait, because they would have called about the tango demonstration. Right, I was right. like, how did she even find out? Yeah, yeah. Try to keep up, Anakin. <laughs> In Mr. Selfridge's office, uh, he is bidding adieu to Miss Spender. Yeah. Uh, no one is sad. <laughs> right. Even Miss Spender is not sad because yeah. her first question is, I get to keep everything, right? <laughs> right. And he's like, oh, yeah, totally. She asks even the ruby necklace, which I misheard as the rapey necklace. <laughs> And I was like, was there a whole misunderstanding that he then papered over with the necklace? It's been a long five years, Kelly. Anyway, uh, she's like, all right, well, you know, I hope you'll miss me. And he's like, oh, I hope I don't. And she's like, well, uh, you know where to find me. Yes, please give me a reference for my next employer. Yeah, when you're wandering, dick gets lonely. (laughs) Uh, So she leaves and then Selfridge tells uh, Miss... Plunkett. Plunkett. I'm like, what is even her name? Yeah. Miss Plunkett, who I'm sure is a very nice person. Oh, sure. Uh, tells her to cancel Miss Spender's account. In fact, cancel all their accounts. And I'm yeah. like, how many? I wish, I wish it had gone like, I, she should have bent over and just picked up a like foot tall folder marked <laughs> floozies and just like, <laughs> <"Zoop."> <laughs> That is not what happened. <laughs> no. No, but it's just, I mean, like, you know, were these all concurrent? Like, were you just keeping your options open? Right, right. I want to know more. Yeah. Yeah, just keeping, like, Ellen Love still has an account there, just yeah. on the off chance. <laughs> Boy, golly, I wonder what happened to her. Yeah. Does I there... don't think she comes back at all. Yeah. Well. Maybe she went to, like, Ireland or something. It's possible. I mean, there's a, a... Maybe she's hooked up with the old cheerful Charlie. Oh, yeah. There you go. This is about the right time for that. Yeah, it is. No, there's a range of options for her, po- like, you know, dead in a gutter being one of them. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah, fancy call girl, moderately, you know, successful, off-off Broadway actress. Right. I mean, in England, whatever the hell, that off-West off End? I don't know. I guess know. so. I don't know how they, they yeah, do Yeah, independent there. theater. Yeah. Cousins. <laughs> Are you in London? <laughs> Do you know what the fancy theaters are called? Do you know what the less fancy theaters are called? Right. If so, we want to hear your story. That is true. Mustache arrives at Selfridges. <laughs> he comes up to the cosmetics department and uh, tells Kitty that he wants to buy a present for a lady. Uh, she first says that he must be there for a story and that they're all very happy and don't need a union or whatever. But it's like, no. I'm here for a present. She's like, oh, well, then I will leave you in Miss Perchie's capable hands. We think it's Perchie. We couldn't really make out the name there. Yeah, IMDb is just listing her as Jessie, which is not helpful right. on a show where most people are referred to by their first and last name. Or that, by, you know, by a their, title and their last name. Yes, uh, but she is the taller of the two. New... She's not fake Doris. Right. <laughs> so she asks about the coloring of the woman that he is buying a gift for and he recites this prose poem that he has written about kitty i feel like he stole it from some irish poet <laughs> i think you That's may be what right I think. but it's all about how she's you know uh a rare beauty that changed you know the light strikes her and then this and that and whatever and it's very difficult to pin down and so jesse after all this is like uh how about a perfume since well, you, you know apparently what? don't know what she looks like <laughs> no i was gonna say honestly that's what i would have done too yeah, yeah like i was like uh here's something that has nothing to do <laughs> with visuals right uh, but Kitty, who has been listening this whole time... And surmised that the lady in question <laughs> is, in fact, herself. Yes. Uh, unceremoniously shoves the perfume out of the way and pulls up a big fancy box of cosmetics. It is uh, some 
top end hand cream. Uh, it's the Yardley facial cream, which came in last week for Lady May. Okay. But oh, okay. Lady May was thwarted in her attempt to purchase. Ah, yes. And uh, she makes it very clear that this would be very welcome. The expense in particular would be noted. I have two things to say about this scene. First of all, is mustache a ginger as well? Because this show got hella gingers. <laughs> it's true. They're I'm... really coming dangerously close to their ginger quota. <laughs> That's right. Peak ginger. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, it kind of makes me sad, though, like... And you know I like to ship anything that moves uh-huh. and is two people mm-hmm. or a person and an inanimate object. Look, <laughs> right. anything I can ship, I will ship. You're, you're a big fan. But in Kitty's case, like, she's really demonstrated her ability to, uh, you know, move up in the organization. And yeah. she's really good. I mean, even in this case, she's very, very good with customers. Yeah. So it would just be a shame for her to get married and then be forced out of her position. Yeah. So I'm hoping uh, that Mustache gets killed as a war correspondent or something. <laughs> we shall see. But, I mean, that said, I mean, I'm in, sort of enjoying in this first two episodes, I, I'm enjoying their oh, relationship I agree. pretty well. Definitely. Well, and I just, she's somehow become her favorite character. No, I know. It's really weird. Like, we were very surprised to realize this. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we're all of a sudden big fans. Back at Loxley House, Lord Loxley is sitting in the dining room and he's demanding uh, a meeting with Mr. Selfridge and is just generally being a dick. Right. Lady May says she doesn't trust him and that she never has. Uh, but unfortunately, it turns out the country house has been leased. Yes. To, to a Dutch industrialist. Mm, that can't, no good can come of that. No. no. Uh, he likes fishing. Anyway, right. Lady May's uh, plans to retreat to the country not happening yeah so poor pimble yeah oh first that name and now this right first that name next that hair and now this first that name (laughs) next that hair third that face (laughs) and now this boy poor pimble (laughs) good luck Uh, at Selfridge House, a new Gordon is attempting to reenact the Charlie Chaplin movie Tango Tangles. And we say attempt because he's very bad at it. He's very bad at it. And also, like, Charlie Chaplin is Charlie Chaplin, and you aren't. You're not going to... Like, Rose is pretending to be amused by all this, but it's like when somebody tries to tell you about, like, a dream they had or something. Or Ace Ventura. <laughs> yeah. Harry invites her to come along next time, and she's like, oh, sure, yeah, I'll do that. Uh, So they head upstairs. Oh, and I did learn a trivia fact about Tango Tangles, the Charlie Chaplin movie, which is that it's one of the few in which he did not have a mustache. Huh. Yeah. I've seen, and I looked up the pictures. Like, No wonder I've never heard of it. Yeah, that's right. I wonder how Charlie Chaplin would feel about the fact we're calling this other guy mustache. (laughs) We're going to get a cease and desist letter from his estate. God damn you, Una Chaplin. (laughs) First you've ruined Game of Thrones and now this. (laughs) No, no, no. First that face. (laughs) And you ruined Game of Thrones and now this. Spoiler alert, we are not fans of Una Chaplin. (laughs) That is correct. We think she looks stupid. Yes. Speaking of people who look stupid, Mr. Selfridge... <laughs> heads upstairs with Rose and they head to their separate bedrooms. But Harry stops Rose and is like, hey, uh, you know, I love you. And Rose is like, it's, it's fucking whatever. <laughs> <laughs> she is back to her really bland color palette, though. So it's 
only a matter of time before that JJ is open for business again. Yeah. Yeah. No, and also he did just shut down his factory of skanks like <laughs> three right. hours ago. It was not that long. Right. No, because he's like, there's nobody but you anymore. And I'm like, anymore? Like, since this afternoon? Yeah. Come on, give it a full 24 hours. At least. <laughs> like, don't be that guy. Like, come on. Like, are you really certain you're not going to, like, trip and fall into a showgirl in the next <laughs> week or so? No. <laughs> I'm Horace Spendrich. <laughs> I've been trying to figure out how to describe Jeremy Piven's performance. Because, mm-hmm. like, the, the thing that I keep remembering, uh, I don't know if any of the cousins watched Ugly Betty when it was on, mm-hmm. but uh, the character... <laughs> Jesus. I just remembered how ridiculous that show was. Alexis Mead, uh, Ne Alex Mead, yes. who was a man, right. then uh, underwent gender reassignment surgery, which actually was, ha- like, that part of it was handled extremely well. Yeah. Because, I mean, there was, you know, there was some drama around it, but it was just like, oh, hey, no, I really, you know, want to be like a lady. Right. And right. we were like, okay, great. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> Alexis was played by Rebecca Romaine. Who, very pretty lady, gave it her best shot. Yeah. But just every single <laughs> shot of her, you could see in her eyes. I used to be a man. I used to be just constantly reminding herself. What would somebody who used to be a man do right now? Yeah. Yeah. I think a man. Anyway. Yeah. But so Jeremy Piven is like similar. You can see the wheels are turning. But with him, it's much less earnest. And it's more like, I'm nailing this. Yeah. Ah, did you? I'm nailing this. Oh my god, did you see that fucking tattoo? I yeah. I look. I'm willing to believe that was fake. Right. I think it. Surely it must have been. I don't know. It was on his Twitter. I yeah. No, I look. It was a a very poorly done tattoo. (laughs) And B really right. Did you like? Did he? Did you put on that tattoo yourself? He might have. Uh, no, but I learned, I was reading his, like, Wikipedia, no, I read his, there was an interview with him on the AV Club, uh-huh. and, like, his parents were, like, these acting teachers and stuff, mm, so that mm-hmm. is how you make a Jeremy Piven. <laughs> <laughs> In case you were wondering, just put up, a, like, a life hacker article about that. That's true. Uh, the next morning, Crab is crabbing along <laughs> in a neighborhood, and, uh, then he sees Doris... Good old Doris That's holding right. a fat ginger baby. Yeah. So again, peak ginger. That's right. This is getting excessive. We're yeah. going to have to report you to the ginger council, <laughs> Mr. Selfridge. So she makes some small talk with him and refers to her many children that we can see running around as her little angels. Yeah. And I'm like, ooh, this is awful. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Mr. Grove comes out with his uh, new hairdo. Yeah. And, you know, he is polite until Doris has gone back inside. And then he tells Mr. Crab he's ready to be frog marched to the office. And mm-hmm. Mr. Crab is like, uh, I'm just trying to help you out, Brony. Yeah. And then Mr. Grove is like, uh, I don't need help. And Mr. Crab is like, uh, look at your hair. Right. Do you have a mirror anymore? Did you sell it? Like, what happened? Our baby ate it. You- <laughs> oh, my God. It's fine. The <laughs> Grove stock is tough. <laughs> I don't think anybody's stock is that tough. <laughs> to poop out a mirror. <laughs> Sorry. I'm very upset now. That's, I don't know how many years of bad luck that is. <laughs> <laughs> George Taller is at his desk because, again, he's a manager now. Yeah, and there was some discussion, I think, on Facebook, like, 
you know, was he just traumatized by Reg? Right. Did he have a legit, uh, mental disability? Right. It's not clear. It's I mean, it's, clear. it appears to have cleared itself up enough, whatever right. it is, yeah. that he is now in a management position. So. Yeah. Yeah. But he sees, uh, some of the union organizers organizing up a storm in the loading bay area. Uh, so he goes up to them, tells them they're on private property and that, He's all for unions where they're needed, but they we take care of their own at Selfridges. And so they're like, all right, whatever, they head off. And New Gordon is, like, leaning on a car in the background watching all of this happen. Shouldn't he be working? Uh, he's uh, New Gordon. <laughs> uh, this is interesting, because, I mean, yes. I just, I personally just take exception to the attitude about... I'm all for unions where they're needed. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's the whole problem is that if we, you know, if part of an industry is unionized and then part of it is not, then that's just a fundamental inequality right there. Right. Well, it's almost, I mean, really, it's like all the better to form a union when it's not needed and be like, hey, we're going to form this union, but we don't actually have any demands because you're doing everything fine. Yeah. We just want, we just want insurance in case you decide to start screwing us. Well, and in particular, a place like Selfridges, like where the standard of employment is already very high, Mm -hmm. like what better, you know, you could be in a really prominent position and go into this, like, okay, you know, we have these really high standards. Let's bring everybody else up. Although, of course, from Mr. Selfridge's point of view, you know, he's got a corner on all of the best employees from every store Mm -hmm. because he's offering this stuff. But, you know, I just I don't I don't believe in that. Yeah. And I mean, you see the same problem like with tech companies now. I mean, they all have like these weird non-compete clauses with each other and stuff, which is illegal. Yeah. Um, But I mean. You know, they're, you know, they don't want to unionize for the same reason where if they are offering certain benefits, then, you know, it gives them an an edge as an employer. But I mean, I think, yeah. And I mean, I think people that have worked at Google for a long time of, you know, like they're still doing great, but I think they've seen because all of a sudden, you know, these things that you've gotten used to, like the daycare they used to provide and things like that. Well, that was great, but they were just providing it because they felt like it and they can stop at any time. You have no recourse. So you have no protection. I mean, it's just, you know. People like George Towler think that it's going to be gravy forever. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be gravy forever. But while it is gravy, you've got to, you know, lay in a supply of that gravy. That's right. You've got to <laughs> ensure the gravy for the next generation. <laughs> that's right. So Rainy anyway, that's our Pinko Kami commentary <laughs> for the week. Right. Uh, Harry greets Rose there in the Palm Court and uh, orders some coffee from Igor. And he's like, oh, so you've thought about what I said last night? And she's like, no, I just, I'm just having coffee with you. What did she, like, did he think that she showed up to have sex with him under the watchful gaze of that bust? <laughs> yeah. Like, nobody shows up at four, like, let's do it. <laughs> and he's just looking at the bust the whole time. Like, yeah, Harry. I'm oh, nailing yeah. it. I'm nailing it. <laughs> Uh, so Rose asks about moving the party to Delphine's and he's like, uh, that's kind of a, you know, skeezy joint. Uh, but Rose says that it's for her and that she's considering investing in it. And he's like, huh. Like he, he, he like has, he's very exactly like, huh. And like leaning back and looking at her. Well, I think he's a shocked. Right. But also be like, oh, do you also have a business sense? Yeah. With your lady woman parts? <laughs> right. Although, I don't think that's it. He's always been very respectful of women with initiative. No, that that is true. 
she's just never shown any before. He's like, <laughs> yeah. I thought you were a painter. <laughs> You're not nailing it. <laughs> uh, but it's so in that case, since it's for her, he will consider moving the party. In the Henri Leclerc Memorial Lair, <laughs> Agnes is setting up a bunch of suitcases on a stair step thing, which people who've worked in retail are very familiar with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she knocks all of them down. Right. Uh, leading me to ask two questions. Number one, why did you knock them down? Right. And number two, why are you setting that up in there? Yeah. Because. Like, is that, is this the new suitcase department? You're going to have <laughs> to move it. So I don't know. Anyway. Right. Uh. Mr. Thackeray is leaning in the door watching like a stylish vulture. Yeah. And he says she was supposed to be, and she finishes, in the fashion department 10 minutes ago. And uh, she's like, yeah, listen, I'm real busy. I'll be there at five. And he's like, uh, I seriously doubt it, but fine. Also, I'm really happy that you're failing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and she, like, get your shit together, Agnes. Yeah. She like, was you, you last were nailing week she was, Yeah. You were nailing it. <laughs> In the previous episode. Um, yeah, but she is, is no is longer marked... nailing it. And it's like, listen, the whole, you know, the biggest part about management is confidence. Yeah. So fucking be confident. Yeah. Like, what... like instead of being all flustered, be like, yeah, I wasn't there 10 minutes ago. I'm busy knocking down suitcases right now. <laughs> right? Look, I've got, this is important. Mr. Selfridge is like, Agnes, it's Towler. <laughs> Knock over these suitcases. I don't care how long it takes. <laughs> we need to know that they can take it. <laughs> It's actually not a bad idea. <laughs> We've knocked these suitcases over 500 times, and we can assure you. <laughs> I think they actually did that on Mad Men once. <laughs> it's very possible. So we see Rose walking up the stairs in some building that I'm calling Hobo Towers. <laughs> <laughs> they don't look like they're that tall. <laughs> well, no, but she was walking upstairs, so okay. I went with that. Uh, and she knocks on a door, and there is... Monsieur Hobo Beard Leclerc. <laughs> uh, still staggeringly attractive. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I was like gasping. Yeah. Who is literally drying off his hobo beard as he answers the door. Um, but <laughs> He's got to keep it wet. How do you think he got it to grow so much? <laughs> That's true. And it has been five years. Well, yeah. Uh, but he is like, so what are you doing here? And she kind of asks herself in. And he's like, uh, all right, welcome to my hovel. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best thing that ever happened. <laughs> right. So he stands by the window. <laughs> Just, oh, tell him. By, well, I guess it's a ground level, so I don't That's know why she was saying. going upstairs. Why was she going up the stairs? But I don't well, know. Maybe it's one of those things where, like, it starts below ground level. Right. You know, like, like that's like a courtyard on, like, a hill. Or, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's In any case, the window was at ground level, and there's a bunch of poor people out back doing poor people things, like plucking chickens and air-drying laundry. And as he's conversing with Rose, <laughs> this young child of indeterminate gender just comes up and starts poking him with a stick through the window. It's like a two-by-four. It looks yeah. like a cricket bat. Yeah. And just poking him. And just... And he just waves him away. <laughs> yeah, and he's and like, ah, get out of here. Does this happen often? Right. Is he's this like, now a daily occurrence? It's like, listen, we'll knock six shillings off your rent if you're willing to take the apartment where the weird kid likes to poke people. <laughs> <laughs> I just need 
that gift. I need it. Cousin Carly, where are you? Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, we could stop right now. <laughs> that That's was... the best thing I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. It was fantastic. Anyway, Rose says that Harry has changed, and so they should, like, meet up again. He hasn't, though. Right. He definitely hasn't. He's very much the same. Like, just because he's... Not just because he's played by Jeremy Pivot. <laughs> right. Like, who is incapable of character development. Don't be fooled by those glasses. <laughs> no, I gotta have them. <laughs> it's been five years. I'm nailing it. <laughs> Monsieur Leclerc says that New York didn't work out for him, which is pretty apparent. Yeah, like nobody's living in a hovel in <laughs> London because New York worked out great. Right. Except maybe Johnny Depp. <laughs> that is a good point. That seems like the kind of bullshit he would pull. Yeah. Uh, Rose says that she understands. Monsieur Leclerc looks about at his hovel pointedly and says that he doubts that she understands. Mm-hmm. Which, like, good on him. He's yeah. like, um, what did you want to do, magic white lady? What did you want to do? Yeah. While Rose says that Harry misses him and could use a friend right now. Uh, also, does he and right. does he? <laughs> Both good He's questions. He's got mustache back. <laughs> and she says that also, and no offense, but you look like you could use a friend too. And Monsieur Leclerc's like, I don't need your charity. Uh, why do people who obviously need charity always say that? Yeah. Like, look. I'm an opportunist. Right. I'd be like, oh, thank you for the charity. I'm going to take it and then kick you in the shins when I'm back on my feet. <laughs> yes. Just for the record, not going to pay this forward. Keeping it no. right here. Oh, yeah, no. Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he kicks he kicks Rose out. And also, you know, he's got a shaving mirror right on his I think he there. was going to shave. She interrupted him. <laughs> you know, he's been leaving mysterious, weird messages with people. I don't going on with him no none Look, of us do still oh he's too sexy he's, he's very he's sexy so sexy yeah oh man he's ah Whew. <laughs> all right let's gather ourselves i'm not sure if i can well there's no more leclerc in this episode so oh right okay yeah. well i probably can't but you know we're gonna watch after we get done recording this we're watching the next episode well, I'm, so I'm aware girding my emotional <laughs> loins <laughs> Uh, Miss Towler walks up to Thackeray, uh, in the fashion department, and she was almost on time. Uh, and he says that he's invited Mr. Selfridge, who arrives just then. So I guess it's good that Mr. Selfridge also was running late. No. Mr. Thackeray pitches to Mr. Selfridge. He wants to roll the Empire exhibit throughout the whole store, make it a week-long thing, and fill every department with all the best things about the Empire. So, you know, uh... Racism. Colonialism. Right. Taxes. Yeah. Just all that all that shit that's kept it humming. Mil- invasive military action. Right. Um, cholera. We'll have to put that in the pharmacy with the chamber pots. But. <laughs> anyway, so... Obviously, Mr. Selfridge is thrilled because this is why I want to be an executive. Because as an executive, all you have to do is let other people say good ideas to you. And then you're like, you make it happen. And then if they don't make it happen, you don't get fired. They get fired. That's It's, it's a good gig. It's a really good gig. Yeah. Anyway, so he's like, oh, do you think you can nail it, Miss Towler? And she's like, oh, yeah, of course. And Mr. Thackeray continues to be a dick. Because yeah. this is a real dick move. Oh, yeah. Like, this was very clearly, explicitly trying to get her fired. I have several questions. Yes. Okay, so he was handling all display before she came back? 
That seems impossible. It does seem impossible. Like fashion. I mean, the windows alone. Yeah. I, you know, I'm just unclear as to who's been handling well, all this. Well, I think it was it was like outside people or something. Because remember when she was in the Monsieur Leclerc Memorial Lair the first time, and he was like, "Oh, we've been having something, something, so nobody has been in here." Like it was like yes. I forget exactly what he said though, yeah, but me I feel too. like it was like outside people were doing it. My other question is why she has no staff. Right. I mean, okay. So we don't think we talked about it. Right. We don't think Monsieur Leclerc had a staff. I do think he had some draftsmen at some okay. point. But yeah, that seems right. So when they first started that the business would not have been as brisk. Yeah. I mean, I I I don't they expanded, well, also, right? Well, they didn't plus, have much square footage. She he was very specifically, I think, in charge of the windows. Not I think everything you're right. else. Yeah. yeah. So she's in charge of all display. She really ought to have at least two people. Yeah. Under her. Yeah. Like she needs her own Agnes for one thing. She does. You know, and a guy to bang. Yeah. So like <laughs> let's I mean, I, you if know, only, it, could, it could be the same person. If but. only there was somebody with expertise in this area that was looking for a job at the moment. I agree. Hmm. Preferably without a hobo beard. <laughs> Gee, I wonder what will happen on next week's episode of Mr. Selfridge. It's impossible to say. So May is in bed having breakfast and reading the daily sketch. Uh, I also want to interject here. I have a lot to say. Yeah, yeah by all means. Uh so people are always bitching about how, you know, now that everybody uses their cell phones, their alarm clock and all that, you know, like people are like checking email in bed and like doing all this stuff. People have been reading in bed and getting their letters in bed ever since those were things that existed. Right. Like as soon as there was a bed, somebody was like, oh, bring me letter. And they were like, we don't have language yet. And he was like, invent language. That's how it worked. Anyway, you know, but like, that's a nice place to gather your thoughts and stuff. I mean, it's nicer as in Lady May's case where you can be taking breakfast in bed. Oh, sure. Or is it? Well. Please continue. That's indeed right. First of all, Europe is on the brink of war, in case you were wondering. Because old-timey people didn't (laughs) know stuff. The march to war. (laughs) Um... Eat snacky smalls. <laughs> uh, so Lord Loxley comes in and gets all up next to her. He really oozes in. Yeah. He's a gross dude. Yeah, he's very gross and gets all in a personal space and asks about, has he gotten a meeting with Mr. Selfridge? And May says, oh, she tried, but he's traveling. And Lord Loxley threateningly eats her egg. Or, like, he dips toast in her egg and eats it very, like threateningly which is yeah we've never seen anybody eat toast threateningly before but he's doing it yeah he really does and he's you know he says that he hopes she isn't lying to him and she says oh what are you gonna do blackmail me like you blackmailed your friend uh and he then dips his finger in the egg and smears it on her face and is like remember all you have is a loxley name and i could take it from you like that and it is ugh. We hate this guy. Yeah. This is so upsetting. I mean, it was upsetting yeah. last episode. It's even more upsetting now. Yeah. Because, I mean, you can see her trying to keep, like, an iron yeah. backbone here. Yeah. But it's rough, man. Yeah. It, it's real rough. It I is. mean, he is, A, scary. Yeah. I mean, as threatening as Sir Richard Carlyle was at times to marry. Mm-hmm. He wasn't this scary. Agreed. Like, even like when he like put his hands on her and we're not trying to like have like domestic abuse Olympics in here. Or anything. Right, right, right. But I mean with him, it what like, you know, with him, he was like, his was, you know, uh, 
second degree versus first degree. Yeah. Like this is a man who intends to harm people. Yeah, exactly. Like in every instance that he can. Yeah. Like Carlisle just sort of didn't have self control or, you yeah. know, a willingness to use it. But this, this, this guy is malicious yeah. and just, I mean, big kudos to the actress playing Lady May because here, here. I mean, she's just shading this. She's the opposite of Piven. Yeah. She's the anti-Piven. She is. Uh, I mean, she's just, you no, know. But yeah, I mean, specifically in this scene, just the look in her eyes as she is sitting there and taking this. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, and then as soon as he's out of eye shot, mm-hmm. she immediately grabs a napkin to wipe that. And it's just like, why would you even do that? Like, who wipes egg on someone's face? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just, it's weird, and the whole thing is very creepy and sexualized. Yeah. And it's just, ugh. Yeah. It's awful. We then switch gears. <laughs> very much so. And hit the palm court, uh, where Miss Towler comes in to find Fat Thomas smoking outside, and yeah. she just launches into this scatterbrained monologue about how she wants to do the palm court for the empire exhibit right and then she apologizes for having volunteered the palm court but she thought it would be better to have a you know an enclosed area at no point does she reference the fact that they are now rolling it out throughout the store yeah so this scene is kind of maybe this scene was supposed to be edited in prior to that scene i think that's very because why are they both still there yeah because if it's after five shouldn't people be in there dining well the scene before was in the morning so this no 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 the scene with her and mr thackeray and mr i mean the scene immediately proceeding with lady may was in the morning so that's oh, like yeah. the next day that is weird but i think no i think you're right i think this was edited out of no order. I, yeah i mean before the scene with thackeray yeah, yeah yeah um anyway right she says you know she finds her job daunting he agrees and then just kind of stares at her yeah and she's like oh i'll leave i didn't mean to take up your time unnecessarily and it's very awkward right we're not shipping them yeah no, I just, I keep thinking about, sorry, I keep thinking about this Empire exhibit, because, like, all of Agnes's ideas sound lame, but I can't even think what would be a good, like, it's, it's, it's sort of foreign to me. I mean, I guess they could, like, go over to Harrods and kill everybody and make it part of Selfridges. That would be, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be a nice Empire no, exhibit. No, you know, no. What they're going to do is, you know, have different departments displaying things yeah. that they've appropriated from other cultures. Yeah, yeah. And there's going to be a bunch of Union Jacks everywhere and, like, you know, blowjobs to the monarchy for all right, and right. you know look we're fair, familiar not, with britain fa- fair enough we we certainly are at this point <laughs> for people that have never been viking river cruises <laughs> <laughs> punt down the thames on oh. a viking river cruise <laughs> at delphine's Harry is there. He is there to uh, discuss the party and sort of scope out the place and make sure that it won't bring him into disrepute. Delphine admits that she really could use the money and that being an unmarried woman, she can't get a loan. But yeah, so Selfridge is like, I, I, you know, I can't have my store brought into disrepute. And she says, are you talking about your store or your wife? And he says, both. So that's fair. Uh, Delphine says that uh, if... He, she can give him some advice if she can give him some advice and he's like rah, 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 rah. but she says that if he loves his wife he should trust her and he's like well thanks but i think i know rose better than you do i don't 
think that's like necessarily true. Right. Also, they've been living apart for like five years. Yeah. So and Rose and Delphine just spent like a whole week together, which is longer than Harry and Rose have been together, like ever possibly. Possibly. Well, no, and it's like she may not know her as well as he does, but she's got a different perspective. Mm-hmm. And that's what you need in any relationship. Yeah, yeah. But he's nailing it. He doesn't care. <laughs> that's right. Back at the loading bay, New Gordon has a union pamphlet that he's looking at. Uh, these two other guys. Right. Laurel and Hardy. Yeah, that's a, we'll go with that. Yeah, so these two are bitching that they want to hear out the union people. And then George says, okay, if you want to, then go talk to Mr. Grow. And they say they're going to, so they, they start walking and one of them snatches the pamphlet out of New Gordon's hands and they get out of there. Right. Uh, so we see them in Grove's office, and Grove is, of course, flusteredly looking at various... Yeah, he doesn't even, like, see them there. Right. Uh, he's like, listen, I was just trying to take a nap. Um, <laughs> but they're like, uh, can we have this union meeting? And he's like, you know our policy. Uh, you have a staff council if you have any concerns. And they're like, yeah, but we can at least... And he's like, the policy hasn't changed. Get out of here. New Gordon has followed him up in the hallway because that's really how you make friends in your department is spying Definitely on them. Definitely the spying. So he then hides and overhears them uh, planning to invite the union guy that night during – basically whenever the party starts, that's when they're going to meet the guy. Right. Because everybody else will be gone. Yeah. Uh, and they are – you know, they – say you know verbatim that selfridge can't buy them off with this party mm-hmm. uh so then as soon as they've passed gordon waltzes past plunkett and goes in and reports to his father again tattling on your co-workers now to be fair he doesn't tell him about the meeting itself right but he's like oh you know these guys i'm just gonna repeat what they said <laughs> and then mr selfridge is like uh you know gordon sometimes you're gonna sit in that chair and you're, you won't be able to win for losing. And then Gordon's like, that's not really helpful <laughs> uh, in any way, shape, or form. Right. Not relevant to what I said. It's yeah. like, listen, this is the next speech I have planned for you. <laughs> <laughs> I am so curious as to how much of Mr. Selfridge's extracurriculars Gordon is aware of. Yeah. Being groomed as his successor, is he aware of all the spoils? Right. Well, I mean, if he's just waltzing into Mr. Selfridge's office, surely he's run pa- walked past a floozy once Well, but or he's, twice. you know, he's been at... Well, yeah. You know, he's been at school. That's true. No, it is It is an interesting question. Although, I mean, you know, uh, what's-her-name knows all about it because she saw the play. Oh, right. So. Well, and uh, the other one walked in on uh, Roddy oh, the Rodent right. and her mom, so... Which is a whole other thing. Yeah, the kids got to know things aren't quite uh, all married bliss between old <laughs> Ma and Pa. Yeah, that is true. Well, and he has told Gordon that he's going to do his darndest to get the family back together, so that pretty clearly implies that it's not doing so great at yeah. the moment. is sitting at her desk and a Lord Loxley walks in with an invitation that has been sent to May to attend this party at Selfridges. He's like, oh, I guess he's back from his travels. Uh, May says that she's not going to go and Lord Loxley says, oh, they're both going. And then he walks off and he walks through a like concealed doorway that's in their library. So it's just another shelf of books and he walks into it. And it just... It looks to me like he's walking into a closet somehow. I just, it really amused me. I can't explain it. You uh, were alone on that one. That's fine. I just thought they were rich and they had a door that looked like a bookcase. <laughs> wow, 
Well, I'm off in the secret passage to the conservatory. Down in cosmetics, fake Doris is very excited for the party. She got some accessories. Yeah, a tortoiseshell well, comb. It's awfully lucky that Miss Martle's not around. <laughs> She'd been like, I won't be having these cosmetic stores taking accessories <laughs> from my department. Although I'm sure they paid for those. Well, yeah. Um, and then, uh, Jesse is glad that she's going to be getting out of the rouge closet. Yeah. She says that it's nice that they can wear rouge now and be honest about it. Oh. Because they've been wearing rouge for years. They just had to, you know, be real subtle and pretend that okay. they weren't really... Well, maybe that's why everybody's really, like, overzealous now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, Kitty assures them that they can all, you know, dip into the sample cosmetics to tart up for the party <laughs> yeah and then uh igor and fat thomas flirt by which is kind of befuddling yeah not the least because igor looks like jonah from veep and mr pamuk like got mashed together in the <laughs> least attractive way possible but also because i thought fat thomas was with that italian bird right that is but still- i guess they wouldn't necessarily know that well yeah but uh, yeah i mean fat thomas's status still unclear to me um, but yeah, and I think, I mean, I'm not here to sing Igor's praises by any means. I, I can see, but somebody being attracted to him. Well, anyway, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, I will say also, I do kind of appreciate though, like we don't know what Fat Thomas's deal is mm-hmm. within the first five minutes. Uh, and the, you know, careful deployment of exposition is something eyeliner definitely has the edge on over old Baron Fellows. That is an excellent point. New Gordon is gazing at the Union flyer that I guess he found another one or something. Well, you know, they're all over the place. Yeah. And uh, Mr. Selfridge comes by and offers him a ride to the party. And he's like, no, I've got a lot of catching up to do here. Harry asks if he's like getting pressured from the men. He's like, I can make up my own mind. And Mr. Selfridge is like, well, all right. I want you to come. And it's uh, no shame if you do. Uh, Which I, I mean, I will say that I feel like. Mr. Selfridge really is like letting Gordon. No, I mean I I like their relationship. Yeah, and I, I think he is trying to help make him into a good heir for the store. Right, which is a very not, difficult thing no, to and do. and not trying to just make him into a carbon copy of himself. Yeah, yeah, which is unusual for any parent. Yeah, yeah, with their kid, no matter what industry they're in. <laughs> yeah. At Delphine's, fake Doris and Jesse drop off their coats at the door, and fake Doris says her ma'am would send her back to the valleys if it's she knew she was at Delphine's. Sounded like that. So I guess don't tell her. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's no... Well, but then I guess, is is she uh, is she Irish then? If she's got a ma'am? It, it kind of sounded that way, but, I, you know, there's many or different... Scottish? A- there's yeah, many there's different a lot accents going on in the here, aisles. So. Like, it could be, you know, Cornish for all I know. Yeah. Anyway, uh... Igor and Fat Tony are like looking in the mirror and Fat Tony says Igor will crack it and we agree. <laughs> Quit looking in the mirror, Igor. Uh, so in the loading bay, there's a bunch of men standing around, peas and carrots, peas and carrots, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they introduce the union organizer. Then there's a lot of cross-cutting back and forth to establish. Yeah, so stick with us. This parallelism here because it's really kind of a stretch, but it's it's a bit of a stretch. Yes, uh, at Delphine's, Mr. Selfridge walks on stage and uh, gives the pep talk, which you all may remember from the trailer for this season. <laughs> um, and this is intercut with the union organizer giving his pitch. So Mr. Selfridge says, uh, "Okay, everybody, eat, drink, and be merry. That's in order." 
Uh, and the tango dancers come out and start tangoing it up. We see the Loxleys arrive at this party. And we see Mr. Grove walk up to Mr. Crab, carrying two glasses of champagne. He pounds one and sets it down and continues holding the other glass of champagne. Like, he came to party. Um, listen, <laughs> I have partied in this manner. <laughs> Mr. Grove needs to be prepping himself for about a two-day hangover. Like, yeah. this is 7 p.m.? Yeah. Woof. Well, because Crab is standing there with like a glass of orange juice, and you can see him being like, "Oh, I didn't ask for champagne." And yeah, I was like, "No, you didn't." <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also see Thackeray catch Agnes's eye from across the room and bitchily raise a glass to her. He hates him, precious. <laughs> yeah, he is our least favorite. Well, second least after Lord Loxley. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, he's like in a whole... He's the anti-Maggie Smith here. Yeah. Like, ugh. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. If we ever give you five Lord Loxleys... Yeah. Look out. Yeah. <laughs> like Mr. Green on Downton Abbey, five Lord Loxleys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's actually... We should remember this. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord Loxley Award for Horrible Behavior. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the union organizer is saying how he, uh, you know, this is all this, but now I have a vision for what the working class will be in the future. Which we don't hear. No, we don't. Again, uh, that's a pretty Julian Fellows thing to do. <laughs> yeah. My vision, we're going to do very well for the next 50 years or so and then slowly decline. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> Old timey people. Um, <laughs> it works better when I do it. I know. <laughs> that's why I didn't finish it. Uh, Fat Thomas asks Agnes what the deal is with Thackeray, and she's like, oh, I thought you weren't interested in what's going yeah, on with me. Yeah, she gets her bitch on. Yeah. And Fat Thomas is like, well, look, I, I don't know how to be around you anymore. I don't know what the deal with us is. And Agnes like, there is no us. I'm very tired. Bye. Good job, Agnes. Yeah. That's how I like to deal with things. <laughs> I'm like, I hate you. Goodbye. <laughs> Then uh, the tango is being demonstrated. Mr. Crab once again baffled. <laughs> right. Does he have any kids? Does he have anything? He what does. does. He has Mrs. Crab. Oh, that's right. He does. I'm just curious if he ever figured out the procreative act. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, the... Well, it doesn't seem very British. <laughs> <laughs> the organizer, the union organizer, is talking about the coming war at the party, which Mustache has somehow scored an invitation to. Um, look... If mustache can get into places, that's been <laughs> that's been his skill from With just a twirl of his mustache. <laughs> that's right, from when he was first introduced. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I can get into places. Yeah. I don't know why I'm surprised. Yeah, uh, you don't even have a mustache. I don't have any mustache. <laughs> uh, so he gives Kitty the cosmetic set and apologizes. Kitty willingly takes it. Right. Although I will say what she does do that I liked was he apologizes and she's like please, but then she stops and says apologize for what. Which I thought was a nice move. Like, make sure he knows what he did wrong, and he's not just like, yeah. oh, you're upset, I'm apologizing blindly. We skipped this part, but she says to him when he's, like, looking for the thing, uh-huh. uh, he thanks her for her expertise, and she says, oh, we all have something to learn. Yeah. And just, she's just a sly little minx. She is. I'm really impressed. She's yeah. become quite the operator. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so she takes the box, she's very happy, but then the tango guy asks for a volunteer and kitty eagerly accepts yeah and he like says, shoves the cosmetics box into yeah his. so this guy uh as she kind of comes up is like oh you know don't worry if you stumble at first i'll like take care of you uh 
Did not need to say that because no. Kitty has been practicing yeah. on who or what we're not clear. But she knows her tango. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. Again, this is where I'm like, uh, fucking really? Like, yeah. what is this? The song Roxanne <laughs> in Moulin Rouge. Like, what is this? <laughs> the union organizers building to this big climax. But, okay, on the one hand, people are definitely peas and carrots, sing yeah. it up. Uh, yeah, uh. But then... uh they're all unimpressed and Laurel and Hardy point out that they've already got everything he's promising. They have a nurse who comes in, a dentist who comes in once a week, yeah. you know, all this stuff. And uh, Mustache then is watching Kitty's tangoing legs. I'm not a big fan of her color scheme, well, it's, but it's very effective it's very, for what... Yeah, it's yeah. very striking. It's good tango outfit. It is a very good tango outfit. So then we cut back to the organizer who says that they'll all come crawling back when Mr. Selfers ditches them and goes back to America. We have a number of things to complain about, which we will get to in a second. Right. So New Gordon gets mad and says, oh, that's my dad you're talking about. And then like a fight starts. Yeah. Because of that. Right. Like it makes very little sense. But then yeah. we cut between tango fight, tango fight, <laughs> tango fight, applause. <laughs> what? Yeah. All right. So Laurel and Hardy make zero sense yes. as people who were interested in a union. Right. The union organizer makes zero sense as a guy who's trying to organize a union yeah. because he goes from being like, oh, yeah, join this union to then they're like, oh, yeah, we've already got everything that you're talking about. He immediately goes to you're wasting my time having me here then. Yeah. Like, what is this your first day organizing a union that Maybe. nobody's like been reluctant before? Like, I mean, this is just any sort of sales type job. Just be like, okay, well, you know, thanks for your time. And I, you know, I want you to know that we're always going to be there for you and blah, blah, blah. I hope you reconsider. Or again, this is a great opportunity, organizer guy, to say, oh, well, why don't you guys talk to some people, you know, who are trying to put these programs together mm -hmm. and, you know, figuring out negotiations. And so then we can go into these places that don't have what you have and say, this is what Selfridge is offering. Mm. He's getting the best talent, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um it just it's just very inconsistent. Yeah. And just just why would you why would you burn your bridges like that? Yeah, with one of the, you know, with the biggest thing going. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. It's maddening. It's yeah. very poorly handled. Yeah, it's very poorly it just and just confusing. Yeah, these guys make Branson look like he has a cohesive worldview. <laughs> right. Like if I felt like the show was trying to railroad us into sympathy with one point of view or another, then it'd be like, okay, at least it's inconsistent for a reason. Mm -hmm. But this they just don't seem to know what they think about it. I don't know. I think it's pretty anti union myself. Yeah. I mean I think that's what the takeaway is. Yeah. I well look. This show was produced in cooperation with Selfridges, right? Well, that's true. So I think – I don't know what the situation is. Yeah, I think yeah. things have changed a lot in Britain. Mm -hmm. So I guess we ought to like watch that featurette on the end of this week's episode. <laughs> I guess so. Before we go making bald accusations <laughs> about working conditions at Selfridges. <laughs> um, but, you know, it seems like if they're business people, they're going to be anti-union. Mm -hmm. And they're also going to want to position Selfridges throughout history as this right. like benevolent – dictator yeah yeah anyway well we'll see and we'll also see how the season goes yeah so, yeah uh so harry compliments delphine says she does know how to throw a party and delphine's like oh i'm glad you seemed concerned this afternoon and Ro rose is like oh you came this afternoon and he's like oh yeah 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 uh, yeah, to make sure it was fine to have a part. Like, right. shut up, Rose. Yeah. I'm really mad at both Selfridges in this episode, yeah, honestly. Yeah, I, I agree. 
They comport themselves very poorly in a number of situations. They do. Non-tango dancing now starts up. Yeah, they're like, fuck that shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's do a good old-fashioned British dance. What, whatever that might be. I don't know. Pride and Prejudice The stuff. Grizzly Bear. <laughs> <laughs> Lord Loxley comes up and taps Harry on the shoulder and thanks him for inviting them. And he's like, uh, I invited Lady May. Right? Yeah. Lord Loxley says he wants to talk about the account. And Harry's like, hey, shut up. We've already talked about it. There's nothing more to discuss. I'm done. And he's like, oh, well, that's all behind us. I thought maybe we could talk some business. And he's like, this is a very inappropriate time. I'm not going to talk about it. Good day, sir. And he's like, oh, well, maybe my lovely wife could convince you. And she's like, oh, I think he's quite right. This is very inappropriate. And Harry's like, why don't you have a couple drinks on me, asshole? Oh, man. He got burnt like toast. He did. Back down at the loading bay, uh, New Gordon got punched. Right. As well he should have. <laughs> yeah. So he's got a bit no, of No, a- like, if you want to be down there to find out what's going on, fine. But then don't be like, oh, that's my dad. Like, <laughs> yeah. there's nothing that unions hate more than nepotism. Right. So Laurel and Hardy were <laughs> mad at him for being there. Laurel's like, you shouldn't have been there. But then the Hardy one is like, uh, you know, it's fine. He also would punch somebody for insulting his dad. And right. I am, again, like... And it's like, wait, so is this fine? Are you mad? Are you not mad? It's what? very, very perplexing. Yeah. Like, at no point does any of this make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at Delphine's, Rose and Delphine are going out for a walk. Delphine has a surprise for Rose. And as they head out, and then suddenly Delphine stops and is like, oh, no, let's ask Harry along. And Rose is like, okay. Fake Doris is dancing with Igor. Jessie looks jealously on. Yeah. She looks super pissed. Yeah. Well, I mean, if, you know, taking as given that she is attracted to Igor, come on. Like, she's getting beat out by fake Doris. I think fake Doris is the more attractive. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't see that at all. I think fake Doris is much more attractive. I'll fight you. Wow. I'm startled by that. Assumption. I think fake Doris wins this one. Okay. All right. Jesse does her hair weird. I know she does her hair weird. I don't like her face. I don't like fake Doris's face. Well, good. Then we don't have to argue about who gets to be friends <laughs> with who. All right. This is great. Delphine, the surprise that she has provided for Harry and Rose, jellied eels, to which I can only say... Good God. Yeah, this is an old British thing, Mm -hmm. which was very popular because you can boil the eels and they then, you know, secrete this jelly-like substance. All right. So you eat it and then whatever you don't eat, you can keep in the pantry and it re-congeals for a fresh horror the next day. (laughs) Uh, So it's sort of like the thing of foods. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, but I tried to like look it up and see if this is still a thing. There was a stand in the East End right. called Tubby Isaacs. <laughs> it was called Tubby Isaacs sure. because Tubby Isaacs started. <laughs> uh, but they just closed, I think, in 2013, actually. Oh, wow. They were open for 94 years. Oh. Uh, not clear if this is supposed to be that thing or if, you know, during the Edwardian period, there were just jelly deals on every corner. <laughs> Which, ugh, God. Anyway, say what you will about Americans, but I stand by our, like, refusal to enjoy horrendous foods. (laughs) Back at Delphine's, where Delphine is not, trying to keep up, 
Mr. Crab comes up to Mr. Grove and asks if he's all right because Mr. Grove is uh, worse for the wear. <laughs> uh, he is hammered drunk. <laughs> yeah. And he asks Mr. Crab if he ever wonders what paths he might have taken in his life. He's too drunk for me, and I'm in the viewing audience at home. I'm like, oh, my God, what is this freshman year <laughs> philosophy classmate? Like, yeah. I don't have time for this. Yeah. Uh, apparently, as Mr. Crab knows, although judging by Mr. Crab's reaction, I'm not sure Mr. Crab knows. Right. Doris is pregnant with yet a fourth ginger. Yeah. And Grove says his life is chaos. To which I say, maybe you should try not coming in her every once, just even right. every third time. Yeah, just give that a shot. Yeah, just, you know, on her back, right. on her tits. I, you know, there's, I'm sure, you know, pick up a copy of Married Love. I don't know what to tell you, yeah, man. Really. Four kids is a lot in any circumstances, and they're having theirs, boom, 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 one right on top of the other. Yeah, like, chill out. Yeah, with the slow your roll. Yeah. Uh, but no, and you can see him being upset because he talks about, like, Doris being so young. And it's like, well, you fucked it up with Miss Martle, didn't you? Yeah. If she you would... wanted a buddy, right. you had one. You wouldn't have four ginger oh babies God. with Miss Martle. Remember how he told Miss Martle that they could totally still do it even though he was marrying Doris? Yeah. I'm sorry. I just remembered that. Yeah. You know what? Keep coming in her, Roger. <laughs> yeah. I want your life to be as miserable <laughs> as possible. Just oh! Be- Oh, I'm so mad. Yeah. Okay, anyway. Yeah. Uh, he then segues into telling Mr. Crab that he's worried about the war. He worries for his girls if it comes to war. Right. And Mr. Like, are they, are they drafting babies? They're going to be conscripted. <laughs> yeah. Don't you remember the baby, the baby battalion <laughs> of 1915? They were slaughtered <laughs> by German babies. <laughs> You don't want to go up against a German baby. <laughs> they are ruthless. Uh, anyway, Mr. Crab sensibly says that they will just have to adapt and help their young men as best as they can. At that point, Mr. Grove thinks, oh, perhaps it is less my children and more these young men who work at the store we should be worried about. Right. We then get some on-the-nose cuts yeah. to Fat Thomas, Igor, and George Towler. Yeah. Uh, Which, to be fair, is a fair point. That is a very fair point. Yeah. Uh, then Mr. Grove says that Mr. Crab is a true friend and that as long as the king has men of Mr. Crab's caliber, things will turn out all right. Yeah. He's to like, which I say, old timey people did it. <laughs> no stuff. And it gives me no pleasure. Right. You're like, you're aware that A, the king has not met Mr. Crab. B, he's not a soldier in any way. The king did meet Mr. Crab. Oh, you're right. Well, yeah, okay. But the king doesn't have him. He works for Selfridge. Well, he could if he wanted. I'm sure that would be fine. Well, you're right. Look, Harry strikes me as the type to do his bit whatever country he's in. So if that means putting Mr. Crab in charge of the army's accounts, he's going to do it. Yeah. Uh, Rose and Harry, not super thrilled with the jelly deals. Which they appear to be eating with actual silverware forks. Right. Which I guess... Like, yeah, I mean, I have no idea. Man, that's a hell of an honor system. Yeah. Or maybe they only have those for the rich customers. <laughs> right. Because Rose is wearing, like, a fox fur collar. Yeah. And, you know, they're very, they're very turned out. Yeah. So maybe just, like, the peasants, they're like, eat it with your fingers! <laughs> what do you think I was going to do? I'm not fancy! <laughs> 
Ah, uh, yeah. Harry says that they're nearly as bad as those snails they had in Paris. <laughs> Yeah, which is funny. However, it prompts Delphine to say, oh, yeah, Rose, you ever find out about that mysterious Frenchman? And uh-oh. Uh, so she's like, oh, yeah, Harry, I wasn't going to tell you, but I uh, ran into Monsieur Leclerc. And Harry's like, what the fuck? Yeah. And he's pissed. And he's like, I'm, I'm leaving. I'll see you at home. Uh, yeah, and Rose is like, that's what I do. <laughs> right. And then Rose kind of snaps at Delphine, which... Which is bullshit. That is bullshit. Look, there was see, no reason This is for- why friendship and business doesn't mix. Yeah. Because I mean, this isn't even a business thing necessarily. Right. But it's like she never made it explicit right. to was- Delphine that she shouldn't bring this up. And Delphine's right. face is like, um, excuse me. Yeah. I did you a favor. Right. I did you several favors. Yeah. You know what you had to do? All you had to do was say, don't tell Harry. And yeah. Delphine would have told Harry. Yeah. She's solid. She doesn't like Harry. Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. She ain't wild about Harry. <laughs> Where's Jack Ross singing that song on this show? That is an excellent question. Did we already talk about that? If that was some kind of dig? <laughs> in, in the ongoing salvos between eyeliner and Baron Fellows. Yes. I'm just envisioning them both like hold up Game of Thrones style in their mansions, wearing like long flowing robes, scowling. <laughs> Summon my Bannerman. Surrounded by their various Emmys <laughs> and other awards. I don't think we talked about this, but uh, Eyeliner wrote Pride and Prejudice, the A&E version. Right. I don't and remember it or not. he's but... written basically everything that you like. Yeah. Like, did you like it? Was it produced in Britain? Eyeliner had a hand in it. Yeah. Like, he, he has a very impressive Which resume. explains a lot about why we prefer certain of his techniques to Baron Fellows's. Yeah, yeah. Because I think Julian Fellows is only good at one thing. Mm-hmm. And Eyeliner's got a little bit more diversity in his bag of tricks. Yeah, I think that's Anyway, uh, look him up on IMDb. It's great. Yeah. Back at home, Selfridge is staring into his brooding mirror. <laughs> he borrowed it from Mr. Bates. <laughs> New Gordon comes in and he's got, you know, some some wounds. Right. And he explains that he went to the meeting and he says, oh, you know, it was fine. You know, things got heated. And I'm like, yeah, you made it heated. Right. You dinglehopper. I picked a fight with some union organizers. Yeah. First rule of fight club. <laughs> don't pick one with union organizers. <laughs> right. They will end you. Right. Because, like, that's, you know, like, when you, you're, like, you go to the union, like, hey, I want to join. They're like, all right, fight Big Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> if you're still standing after 15 minutes, you're hired. Okay, boss. <laughs> every, every, uh, every local chapter of a union has a guy named Big Ralph on retainer. <laughs> right. I mean, it's more of a ceremonial title at this point. Right. Named for the original Big Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> May he rest in peace. <laughs> he does. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Selford says he understands that Gordon has to make up his mind, but unhelpfully doesn't say maybe don't pick a fight with union <laughs> Right. That's that. You can you can give him some guidance here. Mm-hmm. At Loxley House, Lady May tells Lord Loxley that, oh, it must sting to have been made a fool of by a lowly shopkeeper. And Lord Loxley knocks her the fuck down. He slaps her so hard. Yeah. She spins full around, knocks over a lamp, and is on the floor. Yeah. You guys. Yeah. 
We were not expecting this. We were not. I mean, even with we, all of right. the foreshadowing. Like it was, we sh- we could well have been expecting, but we were not. We were very much not. We yeah. were very surprised. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. We don't know where this is leading. No. Uh, no, we're good. No. Back at the Selfridge house, Mr. Selfridge is sitting by the fire. Rose comes in and apologizes about the misunderstanding and he says it's fine. He'll go see Henri the next day. And she's like, I don't think that's such a good idea. No. Because he's not doing very well. And then Mr. Selfridge says that she should have told him before she went to see him. Then she says that he went to Delphine's without telling her. And so it's she's, like, it's a you're false both, equivalency. You're both wrong. Yeah. Like, you're both very wrong. Neither, neither of you owe that explanation to either of you. Anyway, she says she won't apologize again. And then Mr. Selfridge says that marriage is about sharing. Rose then is correct when she says that he wants to be married only when it suits him and that he's the one who made a mess of their marriage. So he has to live with the consequences. God knows she's had to. Yeah. Which is really wow. Yeah. I mean, really top notch. Yeah. Really top notch. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. So, uh, that is episode two. Yeah. Good solid ending. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we're excited to see what comes of all of this. Yeah. Which we're going to do right now. (laughs) That's right. Literally right now. It's true. Well, we hope you've enjoyed this recap, mm-hmm. and we'll see you next week for the next one. All right. Until then, up, up yours, yours downstairs, downstairs, luncheon out. <laughs> <laughs>